Hello, my self-improvement family. It is Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. I am really excited and proud of this one. It is a self-improvement sit-down. As you probably know, every weekday I share a two-minute tip on a different exercise, mindset, perspective, or understanding that relates to your personal development. I highly encourage you to subscribe and check those out if you haven't already. But in the self-improvement sit-downs, I interview industry-leading guests to pick apart the nuances and characteristic traits that make them great. It's an honor to chat with such esteemed guests, and today's conversation is no exception. Let's get to it. This is self-improvement sit-down number 33 with Shalene Johnson. And we are live. Today's guest is your favorite fitness and lifestyle entrepreneur because she tells it how it is. Her name is Shalene Johnson. Shalene is one of the most prolific fitness infomercial stars ever, a trusted resource for nutrition and healthy living through her 131 method. She's a digital marketing and branding specialist, and most importantly, a beautiful mother of two. Like anyone else, Shalene's rise to the top has been riddled with mistakes and lessons but she's come through them with more confidence and clarity on how she's meant to serve others. Shalene, it is an absolute honor. Thank you so much for chatting today. Well, I'm excited to be here. I just want to give everyone a quick backdrop on our relationship because I have no business talking to you right now. And it just is a testament for people taking a chance on something that you care about. So Shalene was speaking at a conference and I'd been following her for years and I was like, you know what? Might as well shoot my shot. So I ripped out a lined piece of note paper in my book. I wrote a handwritten note that kind of had like a little promposal. Will you be on my podcast? And wouldn't you know it? Here we are talking today. So it's just, it's an incredible. It was much cooler than that. (laughs) I mean, it it was the creativity behind it is what like, you know, stopped me in my tracks. When you have a top rated podcast, you get lots and lots of requests to be on the show. You get publishers and PR agents and, uh, you know, podcast agents reaching out. So normally you have a, a methodology by which you vet guests and you get to bypass all of those methodologies and all of those hoops, if you will, when you really stand out. And, and um, your, first of all, your note was handwritten <laughs> and it was as if um, like a guy in my seventh grade class had handed me a note because it was like, will you be on my podcast? Circle one. And, it, you know, like you said, it felt like a, an invitation to go to the dance together. And I just thought it was so, I was like, okay, this is so creative and such a cool way to say who you are. And, and you did all the right things. Like you said, I'm a fan and here, here's the reasons why and here's why it would be a great fit. And it was just a no brainer. So I hope that other people who are trying to get guests on their show or trying to get on other shows will step outside of the box and take that risk and do something that helps them to stand out. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's about being a person and I just showed my true colors. I didn't try and act like I was anything I wasn't. I'm just a fan who's doing my best and I have an audience and I'm so grateful to share it with you. So yeah, I mean, but that's just the backdrop. And, and I actually did kind of want to paint this conversation yeah. in that light because uh, you're a big deal, first of all, and you're a very busy woman, right? So you're very protective of your time. So the fact that you're here means that there was something more to it than just kind of the casual yes. Um, and, and I know that you have systems in place to protect your time to make sure that you stay focused on those most mm-hmm. important things. 
And I've been fascinated to learn more about you and something that you particularly do with your husband, Brett, which is the priority mm -hmm. clarity statement, which is kind of your mm -hmm. overarching way of managing your time and your priorities. And I'd, I'd love to just start by yeah. you kind of telling us a little bit more about how that works and how it helps provide focus in your life. Well, thanks. It is really especially necessary for people who have multiple interests. It's mandatory if you're a people pleaser because you are just so enamored with opportunities. And especially if you have that fear of missing out, most of us want to do all the things. It, it never feels like we're done. We always want to do more. And, and I'm that way, certainly. Um, and because it created so many problems really in my life and my career always like just going oh this sounds exciting we should do it and not having a methodology which to evaluate opportunities or even like things it's okay this is a question should I say yes or should I say no we didn't have a, a like a written methodology a way to measure and actually decide if in fact this is something we should say yes to and after stumbling, you know, and having it affect our, our business and our, my, our relationship, and by relationship, I mean our, our marriage and our business partnership, we just realized we need a in-writing methodology that makes it very easy for us to make difficult decisions. Hmm. So a priority clarity statement to explain that is everyone has priorities. We all do, but we let them bounce around in our heads. We don't really think about like, okay, what exactly does this mean? What would it mean if I were dishonoring this thing that I call a priority? And so for us, it's a method that we teach to our students where you literally go through every inch of your life and talk about like what it would mean to honor that priority, what kinds of things don't honor that priority. You're setting up systems and boundaries and a measure by which you can press any decision against and say, oh, cool, it doesn't fit. Therefore, it's a no, but with no hard feelings because I'm saying this with certainty. Mm. I, I think that's a really important point that a lot of people overlook when it comes to just priorities and goal setting in general, which is the idea that you can make one decision that makes 99% of your other decisions. And just by affirming it and stating it up front, now you have that framework that everything else can be molded into. You know, and it's just like, it really takes all of that guesswork and that energy and effort out of it because here you are at the end of it really with a simple decision when it could be much more complicated than it had to be, right? So when it comes to- I absolutely to, agree. Yeah, so, so when it comes to then figuring out that framework, you know, to start, you know, what are your priorities? I know you talk kind of a little bit about it in your push journal when it comes to goal setting and stuff like that, but like how can we really have strategies to figure out what our priorities are and like those authentic priorities or what are the different ways that you can come upon some of these priorities? Well, the first thing I want to say is that um, your what we call a priority clarity statement, um, which is really, it's like, it's, it's putting what you have in your mind and in your heart onto paper. Mm. What is important to you and, and in what order on paper? And that it's really important that people recognize this is going to change every season of your life. And by Season, I mean, each time there's a major change when you get divorced, if or not, if you get divorced, if you were to go to college, if you were to have a child um, with your spouse, if you were to suddenly be retired, if like anytime there's a major change, if there were suddenly a, a, a pandemic and everyone were quarantining, like those are all seasons. So, like anytime there's a pretty major change in your life, you, you need to revisit this list because your priorities may shift. Let's face it, if you have 
two kids and a husband and, um, you know, family is first and spending all this quality time with your family is first. And then suddenly you find yourself divorced and about to lose your house and, and it, you're on the brink of filing for bankruptcy. Well, your children may still be first in your heart, but your priorities need to shift to keep a roof over their heads. So mm. it's always understanding like, okay, I need to revisit this whenever there's a pretty significant milestone or change in my life. That's step one. Step two is to literally go through, you know, the 10 areas of your life and, and kind of rank them according to like where right now do I need to spend my focus? Not which of these areas is most important to me because some things will always be number one to you. Like maybe it's faith or family will always be number one. But in this particular season, which areas of these 10 in my life need concentrated effort? Like, because I'm, I'm missing the mark or it, it's really important. I get this right. That's no, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, it's specifically starting from the very beginning, which is like, what's the trigger, you know? So you need to kind of gain awareness of when revising a priority statement is important. You know, if something changes, like what is that trigger? So if it's a major life event, if it's literally a new season and things are different, like, you know, we're both in Southern California when the sun's out, gosh, we're like, we're both out, right? Like there's just new stuff going on. There's new things to do. There's new priorities. So I think that's awesome having that first kind of um, that trigger that you can gain awareness on. And then the second part is actually yeah. delivering on that trigger, being like, okay, how am I going to execute something? How, like, what is going to change and how do I evaluate that for myself? So I, yeah, I love it's, the comprehensive it's on paper and, and it's, it doesn't have to be as complicated as what people think. It's like, okay, go through the 10 areas of your life and you just list them out. So let's say your um, hobbies and interest, and another area is your faith, and another area is friends and family, and another area is your romantic love, and another area might be your financial situation or your purpose, and another area may be your health and fitness. So you look at all these areas, and you give each one a score on a scale of 1 to 10. And that score is simply a measurement of how you feel you should be doing, not based on society's expectations or your spouse or anyone else's, but just like for me, based on what's important to me, like I'm missing the mark here or this needs work. And you just score those areas on a scale of one to 10. And then the areas that you've scored the lowest, um, usually one or two, those are the two areas you probably need to make some significant changes where you're adjusting what's most important. And then I just, we place it in writing what is number one right now and what it means to honor that priority and what those decisions look like. So for example, when our children were young and in, in, in school, like elementary and high school, um, our priority was to make sure they felt calm and peaceful when they came home from school. Uh, and as two very busy entrepreneurs, you know, chaos is something that we thrive in, right? And so, and pressure and working around the clock. And so we had to say, if this is truly in this season while they're young, if this is truly our number one priority, then what does that need to look like? That needs to look like all employees, all staff, everybody's out of the house by 3 p.m. Because we used to have a lot of people work in the house. Um, it meant that we put on hold business conversations between the two of us until after they went to bed. Um, or if we tried to anyways, I mean, we weren't perfect about it, but then we also had code words that we would use with each other so that we were never correcting each other in front of the kids. Uh, so if Brett would suddenly start going on a tangent about work and, you know, you just get caught up in it and excited and you realize like, oh, we're completely ignoring the kids right now. We would have code words. I would say, that's really interesting, handsome, which is not a nickname I would use for him except in that situation. Or he would 
call me Smalls. And then I knew, like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm like going off on, on work and ignoring the kids. Um, it was writing in, putting in writing how many new projects we would allow ourselves to do each month. It was putting in writing um, how we were to honor our travel and opportunities. So we just had very specific measures because it's so easy when opportunities present themselves for you to say, well, I mean, you know, this is probably never going to happen again. We should take advantage of this now, you know, and you, you can just keep doing that until your family crumbles, your relationships crumble, and you just look up and you're like, oh my gosh, I did too much, or I said yes to the wrong things. Yeah. No, I mean, the point of it being measurable, I mean, I think that's just good goal setting practice, but so many people overlook that. That's just kind of whimsical and you can't improve something you can't measure, right? So there's got to be some kind of measurable component to it. And that's awesome that you have it. And I think we teach something very similar, which is, um, again, kind of referencing that one decision that makes other decisions. That can be said also for making decisions when in an unemotional state. Because let's say that that business opportunity comes up and you want to pursue it, but then it violates your priority clarity statement. Now you have to reason why you make an exception on your priority clarity statement, which is so much harder to do versus just taking action because you're emotional. So that's something that you can do with getting things on paper written down in an unemotional state is actually take action in a way that is true to your intentions and authentic to what you want versus spontaneous and reactive to the environment. And I think that's just such a gold nugget that a lot of people miss when it comes to just life and, and life systems. I love that example of the code names. Like that's a perfect life system where it's like, we've established this ahead of time. This is going to happen. Then when it does happen, this is how we respond, you know, and it just, it's, it's textbook, yeah. you know, and that, that's so great. It can't be long enough either. I mean, people always say like, well, how long should a priority clarity statement be? I'm like, as long as you're willing to make it like, because you've got to think about every possible scenario mm. that might come up because, or even that you hope might come up. If you don't, once it does come up, it's just too easy to, you know, as you said, to make an emotional decision. Mm -hmm. Once it's in writing, then the temptation, once it presents itself, which it will, it, it's so much easier to, um, to stay true to your principles and priorities. Totally. Yeah. And I call it contingency planning where you predict the things that are going to come up and then you already have a programmed response when that thing happens. So we're on the same page. We could geek out yep. on that forever. Um, but that's, that's awesome. I'm glad that we could share that. Um, I, I do want to move on to something that is related um, and in an interesting way. So something that you didn't prioritize early enough in your life was your health. Um, you know, you, mm. of course, are known as being a leading fitness influencer, lifestyle entrepreneur, just someone who is an extremely trusted resource for so many people. But just to quickly summarize where you were when you were this kind of idol of health, you know, it was 90 hour work weeks, four and a half hours of sleep, exercising too many hours a day and addicted to work. So you even got yeah. to the point, you know, brain scans, you're 20 years aged. It's kind of almost an awareness of this personal ethical dilemma that you had of, wow, like, how have I been living my life? What have I been teaching other people? And you kind of really did have to work through some of these growing pains and kind of this transparency and awareness around who you are and what you were doing. And, and I'd love to kind of hear now that you're on the back end of it and you're so good with the content you put out and you know, you have progressed beyond that kind of immediate phase, you know, like what was that process like? What did you learn in that? And how did, how did you find your authentic self despite those challenges? Well, I think self-awareness is, uh, you know, it's, it's a difficult skill to have. It's a painful skill to develop, but it's also perhaps the most rewarding. For me, it was learning, not that I hadn't 
prioritize my health, but that I didn't know how truly to define health. Mm. I I'd misdefined health. And early in my business development, I'd misdefined success. I believed that success was bank account, house, car, etc. How many people know your name? How many followers you have? You know, those sorts of things. Financial, primarily. Things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I was forced to go like, what is success? Like, what, what does that look like for me? What, what do I want to look like? What, actually, what do I want to feel like? And learning how to redefine success helped us to make a better priority clarity statement. And then I later had to apply that same concept to my health. I had never thought about what it meant to define healthy because I never intended to be an influencer or an expert in health and fitness. I, I think most people know me from health and fitness because I've always studied marketing and business and I'm really good at marketing and business. And because of that, I could take an idea that I created around fitness and market it really well and become really well known in health and fitness because I was solving a problem for people. And that, and that problem was teaching people like how to exercise and enjoy it, how to love what you're doing, how to find your soulmate workout. But in that process, I, because I, I didn't start from a place of wanting to be a health expert, I was suddenly thrust into this limelight, like, oh my gosh, everybody knows me because of my business, but they now know me for fitness and health. So I guess I better just do what I think from looking at other people, what health looks like. And what health looks like is exercising all the time. And it's, it's just a, it's a physical appearance. I, I never, I didn't learn anything. I never studied nutrition. I didn't study um, internal or integrative health. And once I learned from having a, my own health setback that what I was doing looked like health, but it wasn't healthy, I had to go back and reverse engineer things, number one. Number two is I had taken a lot of people on that journey with me, and now I had a responsibility to kind of set the record straight and you know, lift the curtain, if you will, because there's a lot of misconceptions and misleading information about what health truly is. And I think we're seeing a lot of people recognize that today, but that, that process was painful. But anytime you learn something major, I believe it's an opportunity to, you know, then go in a new direction and, and expand and help the people who've been following you all along. Um, and that's what's fun about life is you don't have to worry about what's coming next because God's going to play something in your path and j- just follow his lead. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a, a surrendering process to lessons, right? When things or challenges or obstacles kind of, and we're going to get to obstacles next, but when those kind of are present in your life, it's, it's interesting how you can respond in two ways. You know, the first way is folding in and be like, oh, what was me? Why is this happening to me? Kind of the victim, right? Or you can be the one that's finding the silver lining, finding gratitude in the situation and taking the lesson in it, right? So there's kind of that dual response that anyone can experience or anyone can lean into. And that's such a trained response. So it's amazing that you're able to uh, to acknowledge that in a dark time, to know that there is this light at the end of the tunnel and that, yes, you do have a strong faith. So that's, of course, been a guiding principle for you for many years. Um, but, but also yeah. kind of go, going into maybe more of the weeds and the details and maybe the more personal side of it, you know, a lot of that kind of in- industry with the whole, even with social media and how you're being seen and like, there is just a whole culture to it. And I think mm-hmm. that, um, you know, your 
your intentions at one point were just kind of a bit of, I don't want to say imposter syndrome, but there was some kind of like, oh, I need to over validate or kind of overcompensate for some of the things that I don't understand. And, and that kind of came out of a few insecurities, perhaps, you know, so at what point did, did that kind of transition out, you know, and, and when did you gain awareness on that being the truth and then stepping through that? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say, um, I mean, I was always kind of aware that mentally I felt like I didn't belong there. I always felt like at some point people were going to say, uh, excuse me, um, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> you know, get you get called out. Yeah. Yeah, I get called out. So because of that, I think um, I always try to overcompensate by overexercising. I think once I had the wake up call. So I went and had my brain scanned at the Amen Clinic. Mm. And um, because I was having neurological difficulties, I was having a difficult time talking, speaking, uh, socializing, like my brain was, it just felt like it was, something was wrong. I thought, did I have a brain tumor? Something's wrong. So um, when I did that and they looked at my brain scan and pointed out to me that like, you're really unhealthy right now. You've got to do something to turn this around. That to me was a wake up call realizing that, oh, it, it didn't matter that I was sitting in the doctor's office, like super lean and ripped. It, that didn't matter. For the first time, they were looking inside. They were looking at my nutrition panel. They were looking at my brain function. They were looking at my brain waves. And that's when I realized like, oh, health, health is like whole person. Mm. And if I'm unhealthy and I think I'm healthy and I've been telling people do what I do and I'm not healthy, well, then I need to take a step back and tell my audience exactly what's been going on and I need to get to the bottom of it and ask for their patience and ask for them to go along on the journey with me and truly redefine health for myself. Yeah. I mean, and kind of the pressures of that industry, like there's so many pressures to look good, right? Because sex sells and that's what people want, you know, like there has to be that appeal, but looking good is different than being healthy. And that was your wake up call being like, wow, I am unhealthy and kind of having that glass shattering moment. And all of the success that you've had to date, I'm sure was just kind of enough fuel for you to be like, okay, like I have a responsibility now to step into this and to kind yeah. of disrupt the, the, the systems that are currently in place that are imposing this on so many people. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it was almost kind of like that, you know, aha moment where I'm like, duh, of course this is unhealthy. I've mm -hmm. never, I didn't feel healthy while I was doing this. What was I thinking? You know, it's like you come to your senses almost. Mm -hmm. And I think we all need those moments where we come to our senses and without fear to realize oftentimes when we come to our senses, there's a whole bunch of other people who are going to be so happy that you've put into words what they've been struggling with. Yeah. And that ties back perfectly with the priority clarity statement, which is like that aha moment. That was a new season, right? Like something had changed and now things had to be redefined. So it's like, it really yeah. is kind of, maybe that was one of your first kind of big moments where it's like, all right, like things, things are different. Let me figure out what Shalene wants to do, right? Where, where are your next steps? And certainly wasn't the first, but it, uh, it was <laughs> a, a pretty pivotal one. Totally. Yeah. Cool. All right. I, I want to move on to something I referenced and I'm super excited about this. This is like such a good story um, and a good point. It's about obstacles. And um, I know that your philosophy on obstacles was taught by your dad in Michigan, um, about motorcycling and <laughs> kind of the yeah. quote is that um, whatever you look at you run into when you're motorcycling and that's so true in life you know mm -hmm. just where you put your attention where you put your energy you're going to attract more of that so if you look at your obstacles you're just going to bring more of them and I just I thought that was such yeah. an awesome lesson that you learned at a young age but um, could you could you kind of walk us through 
that process of like the different obstacles that you've seen and how that quote has rung true and just, I don't know, a few of the, the roadblocks that you've encountered that you've avoided because you were able to reroute towards something more positive. Yeah. Well, just to backtrack, it, it's destination fixation, which is okay. the concept that what, whatever you're focused on and you're looking at is usually what you're going to run into. So whether you've ever gone, um, you know, snow skiing or roller skating, uh, skateboarding, um, riding a, a, a bicycle or riding a motorcycle, it's, you know, that moment where you see something and you're like, oh, I don't want to run into that, but you can't stop fixating on that thing that you don't want to run into and you will every single time smack right into it. So, you know, I've, as a young kid, my dad rode uh, trials, motorcycles, and um, trial riding is where you're going over these like crazy obstacles. So, and you've got to keep your bike balanced and you get a point deduction each time you drop a foot or both feet. So the, the idea is that you've got to kind of see the obstacles in your peripheral, but not focus on them. Because if you focus on them, you put your foot down and you stop or you run in smack into them. So you kind of let those obstacles happen in your peripheral vision, but you stay focused on the destination, like where you're headed to. And the same is true, I think, for all of us. If you fixate on that thing that is your obstacle, you will stop. Hasten point. I'm working with a, um, a group of young entrepreneurs, and I find that they get fixated on what the name of their business is before doing anything else. Like they really haven't thought out like what they're going to sell and what it's going to look like and how they're going to market it and pricing and, and uh, cost evaluation, profit and margins, none of that stuff. They just want to figure out the name of the business, which I understand, but then it becomes a destination that they're fixated on and they can't get past it. And it's an obstacle. Mm -hmm. And so I liken that to, you know, let's say you want, you, you know, you want to have kids, but you can't pick a name and you spend, you know, all of your fertile years <laughs> worrying about what the name of this kid is rather than just like trying to get pregnant. You know what I'm saying? Like, trust me, once the baby comes, you'll come up with a name. And so I think <laughs> it's sometimes we try to fixate on like the beginning steps or the irrelevant things where it's like, no, just, just keep focusing on like the big picture and not a very specific destination, but a general direction in which we want to head. Yeah. And now that you're even explaining that, I think what's important is it's not that the attention isn't on the obstacles, it's on what's past the obstacles. So like it's, it's more That's the right. positive yeah. affirmation of it versus the negative. Like it's not the, oh, avoid your attention here. It's place your attention there, you know? And, and that's something that I didn't realize until you just explained that. That's, that's so true. When you talk about law of attraction and manifesting and attracting energy and all, you know, all of the, the foozy stuff that I'm learning about, you know, like that, there's just so much truth to it. And, and I love that. Um, at first, I just love that example because it's just such a like rough and tumble lesson that you learned, you know, especially for you being the, the pinky badass girl that you are. But it's, uh, it's, just, it's just awesome that that was a lesson that you are fond of. So yeah, I, I wanted to Brian, bring Brian, who up. was your awesome. first introduction to um, personal or self-development? So personal development, it was um, Darren Hardy. So Darren Hardy's oh, book, The Compound Effect. I mean, I, I haven't met him. Wow. It's my dream to meet him. But um, yeah, I mean, his book, The Compound Effect, I've read it cover to cover six times and live by it. Um, but then when it comes to more of like the law of attraction stuff, it's David Meltzer was my introduction to kind of the quantum field and, and some of these ideas about how your energy is interacting with others. And, and he's brilliant. I don't know if you know him, but he's a, he's a brilliant. I don't know, but I'll, I'll write that name down. For sure. Yeah. And I'd, I'd be happy to intro you as well, of course. 
Um, awesome. Cool. And then last, and this is where just personally, I would love to learn from you because you're a queen at it. Uh, it's the idea of work-life balance because you do so much. You have multiple million dollar exits. You have two kids, you have a husband, you have a podcast, you've got your content, you got your books. It's like, holy smokes, like, like Shalene is all over the place, but you are happy and you are delivering, like you're delivering in all of those different areas. And, and that's just so fascinating to me is that you can be at such a high level in so many different places. And that obviously requires some kind of balance. And I know that you talk about, you know, don't make new friends, like focus on what you already have. But when it comes to like work-life balance, um, you know, kind of what are some of the principles that you've been able to implement that helps you to stay on track and, and get it done in the important areas? Well, the first thing I want to mention, because I think it'll be helpful to everyone, is a, a mindset, which is you have to, you have to be okay with the idea that this is enough. Because if you don't feel like this is enough, <laughs> all the boundaries and systems you put in place don't matter. I mean, you really have to constantly ask yourself and, and remind yourself that I have more blessings that I know what to do with. Because if you don't have that mindset, then you'll, you'll forever, even if you have those systems in place, you don't feel fulfilled. You don't feel like you are enough. You feel like you should be doing more. You feel like you haven't fulfilled your purpose. Um, so that was first is just a mindset. And to be honest, Brian, I am constantly reminding myself of that when I can't make a deadline, when I have bigger plans than what I'm able to execute. When every day, when like even yesterday, I thought to myself, I started at the end of the night thinking, oh, you blew it. There were so many things are on your list today and you got through half of them and you blew it. And I just had to rem like, again, remind myself like, it's enough. It's enough. And if, because you didn't get all those things done today, you don't hit a particular deadline or you don't do it as well as you'd like, that's okay. It's, it's, it's still enough because it's what you, it's the best that you could do and stay in alignment with your life. So for me, I'm, I'm constantly having that dialogue with myself. Uh, I have to keep myself in check. My husband really helps in that regard. He doesn't have that same, it's, it's kind of a, tortured state i'm sure you can relate to it like some people have that tortured state where they're like it's never enough mm -hmm. and he just doesn't have that so he really balances me in that regard um that's number one number two is having non-negotiables so they are and the, those non-negotiables relate to peace for me so if I, if I compromise one of these non-negotiables, I don't feel a sense of peace. These things for me, for example, like our interview was scheduled after noon. I, the first part of my day, I mean, even if, I don't know, a former president or the current president wanted to do a podcast interview, we would say, is there any way we could do it after 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time? Because I need my morning in order to have, in order to really feel peace. I need to spend time with my husband drinking coffee in the morning. I like to do my devotionals first thing in the morning, look at my schedule. I like to do things just for me, like listen to my favorite podcast or an audio book. Um, it's when I exercise, it's when I do my strength training, my cardio, and it's also when I process, I daydream, I think, I write notes. And I just cannot be interrupted. I mean, I can, but then I lose my sense of peace and I don't feel balanced. If I have, for me, and everyone's different. Maybe yours is in the evening or maybe yours is doing something different each day. But if I have that, I am grounded 
and it allows me to maintain that sense of balance. And then aside from that, uh, we have personal policies in place that my husband and I agree upon and our, our family agrees upon. Um, and those personal policies, we, you know, if we're going to compromise them, it's, it's like a joint decision. But because those personal policies in, are in place, it, it's how my husband and I respect each other. And it's how we show respect for our marriage before our business, how we show respect for our friends and family before our business. And, um, and that order of things really matters. That is something I so needed to hear, you know, especially getting caught up in my ambitions and what I'm trying to do and, you know, kind of what you reference basically is like self-worth and like you are enough, like what you're doing, like you're doing your best and you're doing great. And like, you shouldn't hold yourself to expectations you wouldn't hold someone else to. Like, why is that fair? You know? So you being able to reference that, it just like, it just helps that someone says it, you know, and like, I can think about it. Be yeah. like, okay. Yeah. She's pointing at me while she said it, but she was being polite and not pointing, but you know, like that was totally directed for me. So I really appreciate that. And, and I love the idea yeah, of those I personal think a lot of us struggle with that, you know, and it is, like I said, it's, it's something you have to remind it. I think, I mean, I've never had a, a substance addiction, but I assume from addicts I spoke to her who are in recovery that it's a day by day process of staying in that recovery. And so it's every day asking yourself those same questions and being like really aware of your triggers. And, and in that, I, I think that we have made it okay to be addicted to success and addicted to accomplishment and achievement, but that's an addiction too. It's a way to distract ourselves from what's really going on. And it's, it's accepted by society, but it's just as damaging. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is important that we have some of those same systems in place to recognize our triggers and to know that it's okay to struggle with this every day, but to really be aware and to establish those boundaries. And, and um, you know, like someone who's an alcoholic might have a, uh, what do they call them? Not an accountability partner, but a sponsor. Like, so maybe you have a sponsor for your addiction to achievement and <laughs> accomplishment. Well, I'm, I'm like you where my partner, she's, uh, she's very, um, very much along the same lines of Brett, which is kind of like chill. Like it's good. Like you're doing great. Like let's go outside, let's have fun, you know, and it's such a refreshing influence in my life. And that's why we get along so well because she kind of brings me back, but then I kind of pull her up too, you know, so we meet in that perfect equilibrium and it just, it's great to know that, especially, you know, you and Brett working together in a business relationship, as well as that personal relationship, it just goes to show that there is kind of a, like a dynamic component to these relationships and you like not necessarily compartmentalize, but make sure it's all holistic. It's all on the same page and yeah. having those personal, uh, you know, those personal policies is a great start. Just make sure that there's those non-negotiables in place. You're a great example. I'm so, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to learn from you and, and to have well, this thanks. opportunity to pick your brain. I want to give you one more opportunity and I end my podcast this way, which is, okay. you know, kind of what's, what's the best kind of summary or takeaway, or what's the thing that you want people to really understand based on the conversation we've had today that is just kind of the, the highlight. Um, if, if people don't remember anything else, what is that one pillar? Yeah, it, it would be pen to paper. Mm. I think um, today more than ever, absolutely anything that you're struggling with, it's going to be so much easier to figure out when you take pen to paper, whether that's creating a personal clarity statement, figuring out your day, um, knowing where to start with your business, what steps to follow through next, self-awareness, all of these things. It's so hard when you just try to think through them. And it's so much more powerful 
to take pen to paper versus you know, our fingertips on a keyboard or our thumbs on our phones. The process of actually forming each letter helps you to begin to process the thought behind what it is you're writing. And it seeps into your subconscious as well as your conscious. And so many of our problems, our difficult decisions, the places where we need to stay accountable, uh, where we need to figure out our next steps. I just, every single person I ever work with, I always say, have you sat down with a pen and a piece of paper? And nine times out of 10, they're like, I haven't, I mean, I, I, mean, I know, I already know, so I don't need to. I'm like, no, you do need to. Let's sit down with a pen. It's so old school because it works. That's amazing. I, I tried, I mean, I do my gratitude journaling and my affirmations, everything pen to paper every morning. And it just, it slows me down. It's a perfect start. That's kind of like my happy time. Like but the me time is kind of doing some of those self-care practices. So I totally agree. And it's something that I'm going to take to heart. I definitely want to incorporate more of that. Shalene, you are awesome. an absolute rock star. Super, super grateful for you. And thank you so much for showing up in this world and being the leader we need. Well, thank you so much for your daily inspiration and for inviting me in such a cool way to be a part of your podcast. I, I'm a fan. Thanks, Shaleen. That is the beautiful, the bright, and the wise Shaleen Johnson. If you aren't following Shaleen already, you can learn more about her on Instagram, at Shaleen Johnson, where she hosts different challenges and ways to improve your health and business. And you can tap into more of her knowledge by listening to her podcast, The Shalene Show, and Build Your Tribe. We started off this conversation exploring Shalene's priority clarity statement, diving into the importance of reevaluating your needs and priorities given the different seasons of your life. Then we talked about her wake-up call and health scare, how she realized that she was living and teaching unhealthy habits, and what she did to adjust and accommodate with integrity. We also talked about obstacles and how you need to focus on the goal behind the obstacle and not the obstacle itself. And then we finished talking about work-life balance, which ultimately involves having grace with yourself and acknowledging that you are enough where you are with what you have. If you want to hear more interviews with experts or become exposed to new ideas that contribute to your personal development, then take the first step in that journey by subscribing now or checking out another episode. And send me a message on Instagram at self.improvement.daily if you have any questions or if something stood out to you. I'd love to chat. You are awesome, and I'm honored to have shared this time with you today. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time on Self-Improvement Daily.